welcome and we just had the music from Scott Cranform. Very and that was the music that we had from Purposeless Movements back in 2016. Ooh. But the reaction to the hell we are. <laughs> My name is Robert Sofigil and I am Jack Hunter. This is when we should have done like the two Ronnies thing, but we're not organising yeah, enough for that. But yeah. We're never gonna get a thing like that. No. And we we are bringing you the first podcast from Bugs and Paragon's Seeker Company. And Bugs and Paragon's are based in Scotland, in Glasgow. And we're a Seeker Company that employs disabled and non-disabled actors and creative people to make Seeker. But obviously at the moment we're not making any Seeker because nobody else can stay we're making a podcast. Everybody's making a podcast, so we gotta jump on that bandwagon and here we go. Beat that horse until it stops. So yeah, my name's Robert Cockerdale. I'm the artistic director at Buckle Park Games, and I, I mean, if you ask people what I do for the company, mostly not a lot, but technically, I'm meant to run the company and get the artistic vision and direct the shows and do all the other bits that involve me in the company. And Jack is one of the board members of Burger Burger. So we thought it would be a great idea to get Jack and I together to present this podcast to you. Jack is also the, the younger, fresher face of actively keeping Scotland, so... I'm the acceptable face of Robert. I'm basically his, um, doppelganger. What's that film? Is that film Cocoon? What's it? Yeah, w- w- when they all become younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what it's like. Also, people quite, people quite often say that Jack's the funnier version of me, which I believe you can, but, you know, what the hell. So the thinking that we had been doing this podcast was that we we can't make new work at the moment. We're, we're not about to make stuff online because that's not our skill set or it hasn't been in the past. Maybe it will be in the future, but not at the moment. But what we can do is reflect on what we're going before um, and look at the things that we have put on stage and talk to some of the people that have been involved in those shows to see how they, why they think it and what they, what they got from it. So these podcasts that we're bringing to you are just a way of us talking about, about um, what we're doing in the past. Exactly. Um, and the conversations are pretty light and fun and hopefully yeah well, yeah, well they're, they're good banter they're good banter and um uh, what, what what you know we talk about theater we talk about um you know what what that person is currently up to what their kind of goals are you know so the first episode uh that you're going to listen to right now unless you do something else um like make a cup of tea or something don't do it don't switch off is with lawrence clark now lawrence um, has had quite a, quite a long-standing connection with uh, Birds of Paradise. He's also a stand-up comedian and writer and activist. And do you want to throw anything else in there, Robert? What else is Lawrence? 
I'm, I mean, I'm glad, yeah, what else can we talk about? <laughs> that, that cover girl, it's been quite a bit for TV, I mean, they were wrong for being stand up comedy. Yeah. He's yet another guy with TP. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're taking over the world, but it might appear that way at the moment. No. So the first podcast is talking to Lawrence. Lawrence was in the Boston Paradise production called Purpose of Movement from 2016 and so you will probably recognize his voice from there. So without much further ado, one thing just to add before we get started is that technically we're just working out how to do podcasts. So the sound quality in this first one might not be perfect but bear with us and you know, give it a go and it'll get better. Ah, it's not it that gets bad. better. Cool. So yeah, <laughs> now we'll hang over a long. Enjoy! Hi Longcock, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. So yeah, so this is the first edition of a new podcast um, where we talk about little bits of Buster Paradise history and then we meet a person who's been involved one of our shows, think a little bit about them and see how that yeah. goes. And then for this, I've got Mr. Jack Hunker with me. Hello there, Lawrence. How are you? I'm good, Jack. How are you? Absolutely. Fan Davy Dozy. Thank you very much. And I think before we thought that listening to me cock for an hour would be pretty dull, and listening to me and cock for an hour would be impossible. So without listening Jack, that'll help get you. Yeah, I'm, a, yeah, a I'm, a, I'm the middleman. In this scenario. And also, Sorry. people can make out words that you speak. <laughs> Help a girl. Cool. So yeah, go, let's just kick off. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Lawrence? Who you are and what you do and all that crap. So, um, <laughs> my name's Lawrence. I do, I do many things nowadays. So I um I, I've been a stand-up comic for oh um nearly twenty years I think yeah, um that makes me sound really old. Yeah, um, really old. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Forty next month, Robert. So yeah, and then I've I act a little bit. I I always struggle with calling myself an actor because it's not like I do it a lot. Um, And like recently, I mainly did it for Birds of Paradise. I mean, I mean, most actors go act the world enemies, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I do act for Birds of Paradise, I play the challenging role of myself. <laughs> Very versatile. <laughs> One game will get away off what version you can play me and I can play you and it'll be a riot. That would be brilliant. That'll be for the biopic. <laughs> <laughs> Can't 
coming out next year. Yeah, I'm thinking earlier about how we um how we first met. So we first met, I think, at Theatre Workshop in 2003, because I, I, I was trying to think of this as well. Um, and you were in a play there. I, can't, I remember it had quite a long title, but okay. I can't remember the title. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something about a letter. Yeah, and we can not about the Rwandan genocide. Yes. No, it definitely wasn't a comedy then, was it? <laughs> was that really 2003? It Wait. was. And that, and, that, and that was when your mum showed the poster of me naked with yep. soot between my legs and thought it was you. <laughs> yeah. Was it love at first sight? <laughs> Come on, come on, let's not go there yet, can we please? <laughs> Seventeen years is a long time in this business. I don't think I don't think we spoke a lot then. I think it was when we did that BBC course for the several actors that I got to know you. So was that the because I can cool BBC course? Because I can five, because I can seven. <laughs> wait, 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 what was that? Sorry, we didn't try to be yet. Yeah. It was the 2005 one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm even more up to date than you because I did the 2017 one. Wow. <laughs> wow. Then what, what I've observed from them is that they're, they're basically the same. They just get shorter and shorter. <laughs> and you spend less and less money on them. So I think when we did it, it was about two, two and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I did was three days. Right. Oh, man. I just remember we all got put up in those residential halls. Yeah. And it all felt a bit like a care home. It was a riot. <laughs> 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 and then, yeah, the first show that you get to Bob was Purpose's Movement, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, and the second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you weren't, like, how, can you remember how you first got involved in that? Like, what, what? I yeah. can. You emailed me and basically outlined the idea for it, which I loved. <laughs> Um, and said yes to, um, and then we did uh, an R and D week, um, yeah. where I kind of found out more about what I'd let myself in for because yes. I think when I read the initial description, the kind of movement dance aspect. <laughs> wasn't, it didn't hit me as prominently as it probably should. <laughs> I mean, it's a classic Robot Soccer Deal tactic, and she can get coming on board by highlighting the bits that they're going to like, and by sort of minimising the bits that are going to put them off, and hopefully they'll forget about the other stuff. <laughs> I, mean, the, yeah. I mean, the clue was in the title. Yeah. 
going. Movement, fucking movement. So when you were doing, when you were doing it, because I remember I saw it at the Traverse when it was on its tour, and it's an incredibly physical show. So did you like? Did you undertake any kind of training for that? Did you did you get buff? Was there copious amounts of eating raw eggs and chasing chickens around, or did you have any sort of regime? No whatsoever. I <laughs> <laughs> really was, I, I promised myself when it came back that I would um that I would do it the next time. And then when it came to it I'd like get down to gyming and make more of an effort. And then I got a month's work on Coronation Street as a storyliner that went right up to the start of rehearsals, um, which kind of gave me a great excuse not to do it again. But I have to, I have to say, that at the end of August last year, I was fucking fit. <laughs> And it's all gone. Since. <laughs> it's all gone. <laughs> and then some, because lockdown is something kind to my body. We're just we're just eating. <laughs> so we're all gonna roll out a lot and like a hundred screwing heavy, aren't we? Yeah, I know. I, we, we are literally spending double. On food, really? what we normally want. just like, um, just because like everyone's here all the time. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think about the only thing to do is eat. Yeah. Comfort you. Totally. But yeah. I was gonna say, I mean, like, how did you guys feel about the the nature of the show? Because it's quite a it's quite an open and honest show, Purposeless Movements, and, uh, like, it's quite revealing. Um, I was just wondering, like, when you guys were rehearsing it, was there sort of, like, a process? Like, how much of how much of it was sort of, like, autobiographical and how much was sort of uh, pulled together with shared experiences? Um, so, I mean, I don't know how I felt about that. I'm a stand-up comic, so I go on stage and reveal things about my life all the time so that I was fine with that that that, that, um, that wasn't an issue I don't think it was an issue for any of the cast actually um, um, the honesty was is integral to it. Um, in terms of being revealing, um, well, the thought, the thought that um, always comes up is um, when um, when I watch the video, um, we took a video of it for the first time, and and because of that, when I did it again. Um, because the stage is so black, when I watch it on video, I spot myself because you can always see my butt crack. It's it's like a thin bit of white 
Traveling across the stage. Is there anything symbolic about that, or? <laughs> it was a metaphor for the, my, my career. <laughs> <laughs> and then once we became aware of it, because we got cameras all around the stage and above the stage, so when I do the rolling, and it's projected onto the back wall, <laughs> I, no- I noticed that my butt crack shows up really clearly, so I've been rolling across the stage Looking up at the screen, going, oh my god! I guess, I guess that's another another meaning to turning the other cheek, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I also want to point out that when this was rehearsing the first game, me and Rachel Greenex, the movement director, kept saying to him, "You know, you can see your butt like either get pants." I think at one point we bought you like a rear car, couldn't we? Which was a great comedy, thank you, what Bond's putting on a rear card. Um, but yeah, anything we could do, you can go and see your butt. Well, from, what, from what I've seen, Lawrence isn't uh, isn't adverse to putting on fancy costumes in his shows, but I'm sure, well, I'm sure we'll get to that later. Well, other than that, I think you think the process was like, yeah, what was your sort of takeaway from? Uh, I think I surprised myself that, um, I, I mean, I had to get past the embarrassment of um, doing movement and because uh, stand-up comedy is mostly about the words and the speaking, so... There's actually not a lot of speaking in purposeless movements. And um, I think it's the last sort of third or quarter of the show. There's practically no dialogue at all. And I, I, do, I think there's like about two thirds of the way in, I say my last line. And, 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 and and it gradually becomes more and more about the movement until it's it's totally about the movement um but by the end so yeah it felt i think i felt naked in the sense that i i didn't have the normal crutch of <laughs> being able to say clever things <laughs> to fall back on. Um, I, 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 we were all just um, being observed um, in terms of the way that we move. Yeah, totally. That, that's yeah. interesting what you said there about, um, you know, you don't have the crutch of making people laugh. Um, th- that's interesting because I, I guess like the the sort of goal of purposeless movements was to kind of convey like a message, and it wasn't necessarily always providing laughter. So was there much of a, a mental shift of like uh, you know having to go from performing comedy to to doing a, a movement piece essentially? Uh, to be honest, the main mental shift was uh, for me. <laughs> 
was that I'm not being in control because I'm so used to working on things that I've written myself and performed myself and if I have a director or anyone else involved, the people that I generally know when I've worked with before. And so, yeah, that probably doesn't make me a very good actor because I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> it's basically the job. Did, uh, did you and Robert have any verbal sparrings and rehearsals or...? No, not so much with Rob. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm incredibly proud of um, of what we created together with that show. And I think everyone that worked on it is incredibly talented. Um, but in terms of me and my mental mindset, that, 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 that was the hardest bit. I, it made me, me realise that, yeah, I, I, I'm just, I guess, because I've been working a while and I, 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 I progressed, I, I, I just got used to, to, to being the one that makes the decisions. Actors mm. are never the ones that make decisions. Unless it's about your own performance, and even then, <laughs> there's someone that can tell you not to. I can remember the first time we're making it, myself and Rachel were working away trying to keep it and form it and make it what it was, and you and all of the guys kept going, hey, but where's the script and what are we doing? What's the planning? Why are we not going to kill yet? And we can't go, it's fine, we'll get there, it's all good. Think <laughs> that, that whole thing about, you know, trust us, we know, we know what we're doing. Yeah. Like, well, at the same time, going, I haven't got a fucking clue what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I think also, in the back of my mind was, because when you see the show, and obviously I, I've never seen it, in terms of an audience member, apart from watching a video, but when you, certainly when you watch the video, the lighting um, and the, the way the stage is set up and the projection and all of that create an atmosphere and add to the overall effect. But when we're just in a little studio, rolling about on the floor. <laughs> I wasn't really seeing any of that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we just thought this is just four guys with silver poles rolling around. And <laughs> that that link on quite well. What do you think the audience got from the show? What do you think they took away from it? I think it challenged preconceptions. Um... It's hard to really talk about that in, in detail um, and not give away um, an aspect of the show that we don't really want to talk about here. But I think by the end, um, I hope the audiences went away 
um, yeah, questioning assumptions that they made about the four men on stage at the start of the piece. Um, I, I just remembered something that I want to ask Robert. Oh, God. Because, um, oh. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm crap at Facebook. I, I rely on Adele because she reads Facebook all the time. And a couple of months ago, Adele told me you put something on there about having problems with your knees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and she, she, she told me this, expecting sympathy, and I burst out laughing. And she bought at me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I do that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was weird because it came my knees sort of grew up. Like, like, it got all inflamed and it really fucking hurt. Like swollen? Yeah, and you go... And I, 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 did this ring any bells? Yeah, I knew where you were going, but go, what you want to go with? So what long is getting at is about that during the fucking we get proper thing, he got an injury. But, oh. and, and, and I might not have been overly sympathetic. The thing is, you might have opened a show. Like, there's only so much sympathy you can ever have with someone really. Like, you know, you either suck it up and go on, or you can go on. Um, yeah. But yeah, okay, I, I get your point. Because <laughs> like, I've always watched you, like... Get out of your chair by just launching yourself at the ground. Yeah. I go, how could he do that? Cause if I did that, my knees would swell up. Yeah. <laughs> well, my knee's back in one way, but I'm now aware of trying not to it. Do too much to it. And like, I'm breaking the house, and I'm, I'm picking carpets for the new house, making whatever will be soccer crawling. <laughs> Yeah, but then we're coming about each thing. You know, you've been the kind of older one, I think I'm catching up with you. <laughs> my knees are beginning to give up and grow. Listen, this is meant to be an am- amicable conversation. If you guys could just leave your personal beef outside the outside the podcast, that'd be great. Yeah, a little bit old. <laughs> hey, thing with- Thing the thing about purpose is what, what did you take away from it? Like what was your what what yeah, what was your big lesson from it or your big thing from it? I think certainly in the stand up shows that I've done since I put a lot more movement in there and it made me think a lot more about movement and um performance and how I can vary movement and make the performance more interesting. Um, uh, I'm also just really proud of it because um, I mean, we've done it twice now and yeah, no one's ever said about word against it, I don't think, uh, apart from that very first night, 
lights were um, that, that there was a problem with the lighting, wasn't there? And people were just watching the cute little cats with cerebral palsy, and they kind of missed the whole point of the show. They missed the action on stage. And I remember having to go afterwards in the foyer explaining to the audience <laughs> what they should have seen if they hadn't been watching the cats. Golly. That's funny. I, I just wanted to say, um, just pair them back to like audience um, reaction, uh, because at this point, I, I, I mean, when, when was it, when was it first performed? Was it two thousand and sixteen? I don't, I don't know if I had a connection with Bop at that that point, or or yourself, Lawrence. I, I remember like watching it and just being really like kind of empowered by it, um, just like seeing a piece about cerebral palsy and being like, yeah, man, like. I get it, and also like displaying how it's um how obviously cerebral palsy is like quite quite a spectrum. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I definitely feel like because I went with a couple of friends like when I was in uni, and yeah, like it it was just an incredibly accessible piece, like in every sense of the word. It almost kind of lifted like a sort of um burden almost like you don't like i feel like i didn't have to explain all this stuff like i didn't want to be like this sort of like david attenborough of like cp in my friends group like i felt like it just sort of like it really struck a chord with people um but it did also um strike chords of people going oh man they have cerebral palsy do you know them (laughs) you know are they part of that underground cult and i was like no 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 well, Bob, you know that guy in your little yeah, good, but we got all the that we could. I mean, I think my, my one kind of regret with it is it's not been seen outside of Scotland. And, and I mean, hopefully um, we will get to do it again. Um, yeah. In other places, um, but yes, yeah, certainly, um, certainly, like a lot of my friends locally in Liverpool, uh, I tell them a bit about it because you know you got to talk about what you're doing, and it's a really hard show to describe if someone hasn't seen it. Yeah. So. I'd really like to do it in England one day so that more people that I know can get to see it. And the great irony that we did it last year at the Edinburgh International Festival, which is a very high profile prestigious arts festival, so that we could then take it around the world. And now we're all going nowhere until here. Yeah. <laughs> We all want to bring it back and do as much as we can with it, but one can wait and see. <laughs> I feel like that's a good segue <laughs> into the next kind of uh, part of the conversation. You started off uh, doing stand-up comedy, Lawrence, and that's kind of how, how I first met you, like, what was it, a couple of years ago? Um yeah. You were sort of mentoring me and watching videos of me performing to like rooms of five people, um, <laughs> all sort of stuff and giving me tips and whatnot. A, a clunking that sounds really good. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, I was going to say that I was performing, but that just adds more questions, doesn't it? Um, oh, what, oh, I did want to say, um, so, um, uh, Birds of Paradise sent me the, the video uh, of the, the film that Jack made um, and I was involved in about a year ago and I watched it last week. <laughs> what what a, what a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's one of, the, one of the good things about lockdown is you've got more time Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still have to clear my inbox <laughs> and did all the did all of the things that I've been meaning to do. Um, I really enjoyed the film, but I partly why I really enjoyed it was because it was so long ago now that it was really nostalgic and seemed like um, bits of the fringe and my left right foot and, and bits that we filmed. I was like, oh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm quite glad that I left it so long. Cause <laughs> no, I, I watched it. I watched it in preparation for for uh, for this for this chat, and um, I just kept like getting horrible flashbacks of like shirt buttons slightly popped, so you can see like my belly button and stuff. And I was like, oh my god! <laughs> like I was like, I need a bloody dresser or something. Um, <laughs> But no, it, it, yeah, it seems... At least you didn't see your butt crack. That's true. That's the next film. <laughs> I'm up in the ante. Oh, God. Lucky ante. In terms of stand-up comedy, Lawrence, like, where did it where did it begin? Like... I was always into stand-up comedy growing up. And I thought that would never work for me because of how I talk. And then I watched them uh, around um, so 2000. Uh, there was a comedian called Dave Gorman. Oh, yeah. Uh, he did a lot with PowerPoint and slides. And, and uh, so I, I thought, so, oh, that's a really good idea. That, that's a way that I can make it work for me. And I got into it. Really, I, I, I've always wanted to be a writer, and I was sending off scripts um, and not really getting anywhere because um, you don't really get anywhere with unsolicited scripts. So to stand up was a way of getting my writing heard. But then I did the Edinburgh Fringe, in 2003, where I met Robert. When the magic happened. <laughs> and I got really good reviews. I, I, I got, um, and people were saying, you know, theatre companies were coming up saying, wow, you know, that's a really good review. You, you should be proud. Uh, and it kind of made me realise that that I could do it, um, and I've never really done a lot of clubs. Mm. I, I've had goes um, 
every now and then um, access to the nightmaring clubs. Uh, it's just so hard to negotiate, and uh, and also the money's crap as well. So uh, I was getting gigs in London for like you know you get paid a hundred quid or so, but then if it costs you like fifty, seventy quid to get to London and back, yeah, yeah, you're not really gonna make any money at it. So. I've never really done clubs that much. I tend to do clubs when I'm working on a show for the Fringe, um, just because you need to try the material again and again and again. Um, I've got, over the years, I've become quite forensic with developing material, as you discovered, Jack. Oh, no, um, yeah. Yeah, but, but we literally went through your acts line by line, word by word. And it and um, it really helped. It really yeah. helped. Like you we found nuggets of material from lit like a phrase and that would that would expand into like a three minute skit. Yes. Yes. Um yeah, um I, I love the bit of the film that was used was um was it about how world? Yeah, yeah, land? about the story yeah. of how I had to sack yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah, I, I used to tell me the story, and by the end, we have a whole little routine <laughs> about it. Yeah, um, you can see on the film, you can see my eyes light up when you start to tell that story. I like, no, stop. <laughs> Tell me that again. <laughs> and in terms of when you're making your material, because like, because when we were in that room, we were kind of bouncing off each other, like with ideas and like, do you just bounce off yourself or like what? No, no I, I always have someone else. You always have someone to work else. With. Um, so if it's a stand up show, I have a director, but often that director it's less about directing what's on stage and more about um, bouncing off each other to develop the material and hone the material. Um, I, I think what I've discovered over the years is writing anything, you're always going to produce better work with somebody else to bounce things off. Um, so so I, I always try to, to, to get someone. Um, I, at the moment, I, I'm, I'm writing a play and Robert's been roped in to, to read my drafts um, and, and give feedback and ideas. Um, I'm working on another script, and again, I've got someone there giving me notes. Um, and and, and you know, the other person isn't always right. Um, well. <laughs> but, but, but often, if they've spotted something, if, 
You may not be right about the solution, but they're right that there's something wrong and there's some, something mm. there to, to, that needs sorting. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you need somebody else with whatever you're right to, yeah. That's that's really interesting because, like, I guess the perception of, like, a stand-up comedian is that they, like, you know, lock themselves away in a room and it's just them and a mirror and, like, they're just doing bits in them. You know, it, it can... But, but, but then whenever I've done clubs, all the comedians in the back are, like, talking about each other's material and... Uh, as you know, do you think that worked? Um, or, or getting ideas of each other? I think it happens organically when you haven't got someone that you can actually employ or 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 pay to to do it. Yeah. Um, but you still need another pair of eyes, or certainly I do. I, I'm. I'm not someone that will produce, um, you know, my best without someone else's input. I think the talking about thing about comedians and actors, we're all the most paranoid people in the world. You know, like, we get the impression that we're all confident and that we're all cocky. And actually, we're all back here going, get that what? Is that funny? Is that funny? And yeah, I did a I did a workshop with Matt Lucas last week. Oh, the um, dank workshop. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was uh, uh, really good. But one of the great things he said that I remembered was, um, whatever you watch on telly or on stage or in the cinema, whatever it is, at one time was shit. <laughs> at, one, at one time was the first draft with yeah. lots of things that didn't work. Yeah. Everything that you see has been worked on and worked on and worked on. So don't feel bad that your first draft isn't perfect. Do you feel one that your comedy has changed over the years? Yeah. How's it different now to how it was before? Oh, totally. Um, I think when I got into it, I was, I was very into sort of disability politics, and, and and slightly angry, and it was about making a point, um, and I just lost that. I, I think I became far more interested in writing and performing than making a point because. You can only go so far with that. And I realised that if you do want to make a point and change minds, that, you know, that there are more subtle and effective ways of doing it than outright telling people that they're wrong <laughs> or telling people what to think. Um, so... Uh, that's interesting because um you know i was I, I was looking through some of the stuff that you there's on youtube and i came across those bucket rattle charity things um 
yeah. where, where you like basically are on the street somewhere and you've got like a a bucket that's got like a sort of completely ridiculous um slogan like kill the puppies or something and yes. uh, and pe- and you're like come and you know kill the puppies and people come in and drop a coin in the bucket and you're like no 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 like why are you doing this like that's an incredibly provocative thing to do but, but hopefully very funny as well yeah no I, it's hilarious like i was showing my flatmate <laughs> them last week I, I, I think those sketches have bought half of my house they're like my um you you have like you have one or two sketches that always work with any audience or 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 you know that you can um skew it or change the emphasis to make it work with pretty much every audience and that's mine. Um, I still do that sketch today, or, or at least I, I was. Um, it feels a bit weird talking about stand-up because I've not done any stand-up this year. Um, I am um, January and February um, are always quite quiet months for me, and then I had a load of gigs starting in March that that never happened for one reason or or another. So I've not actually done any stand-up since that last December. Are you doing, like, stand-up in the living room then? Have you got, like, a compulsion to do stuff in front of the the family? (laughs) What about this bit? What about this bit? (laughs) This is good. Um... No, uh, uh, for a while I've been wanting to move more to writing, and, uh, and this has been a really good opportunity. Um, I, I've managed, I, I managed to um, further myself <laughs> because I, I'm employed through my own company, so I further myself. Nice. Um, which uh, means that I, I've got more time to write at the moment, um, which has been been good. Oh, but that between home schooling my kids. Yeah, that's quite a quite a balancing act, isn't it? <laughs> like looking forward to everything cooling up in here right now, and we don't know what will happen next, but. Where do you think you're going next? Where do you think your career's going? Hopefully more in the more as a writer. I, I like um I like performing but um as we discussed Robert, as our bodies get older <laughs> um yeah. it, it it does become harder. And <laughs> And um, so uh, the, the, there's the play Cured um, that you've been working on with me, which hopefully we'll see the light today. Um, one day, we, 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 what day is it today? Yeah, so we were meant 
We were meant to have done the big show eight days ago. <laughs> uh, but obviously all of the coronavirus stuff started and all the theatres closed. So um, God knows when it'll see the light today. Um, but um, yeah, I'd like to write more plays. Um, um, write for TV as well. I've been, but my, I got a literary agent about 18 months ago. Cool. Who keeps telling me I need a spec script, so I need to write a whole script that will never ever get made. Um, but you need it as a calling card to to get a foot in the door. Um, so, I, again, I, I've used this time to work on my script. Um, so, hopefully, that will lead to other things as well. Do you want to just kind of, um, ex- like, explain, without giving it all away, what the, what the Cured play is about? So it's about um, four young disabled people who, um, for various reasons, find themselves on a Catholic pilgrimage. To Lourdes. To, L- to Lourdes. Yeah, I've done um, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 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 when I was researching it... Um, I talked to so many disabled people that had that experience. It's like a very common experience, but I've never really seen anything written about it. So, yeah, they're all there for their own reasons. They all go on a journey. Um, None of them are actually cured in the physical sense um but 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 yeah that sounds good no it's totally relatable though because i went i went with hcpt when i was like 10 or something and like my my family aren't even like my family aren't even catholic no but my aunt either and it's amazing how many people that weren't catholic still got I think they just want bums on seats. Well, I think my mum and dad just wanted a holiday. <laughs> yeah, mine too. <laughs> can you imagine right now if we're too hungry to really disabled young people try to fly to France? <laughs> 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 a bit like purposeless movements. When I've, the, the kind of religious aspect kind of passed me by when I signed up in the same way that the movement aspects passed me by. (laughs) So it was a real shock when I found out what it was all about. Yeah. I just thought it was a holiday. Yeah, that's (laughs) what I thought as well. I thought, I felt like I was in a massive episode of Father Tend. It just yeah. never, never kind of ended. And I also thought that the castle that you see, or the palace that you see, I was like, 
That's not the Disney castle, is it? It kind of <laughs> looks like it. Definitely not. What <laughs> one thing I was kind of interested in, Lawrence. Um, sorry to pedal back to like the whole to stand up, but um, do you feel like you've been? Do you think you've got a brand, or do you feel like you've been branded in a certain way? Like, do you ever get branded as like the disabled comedian, or because there's quite a lot of disabled comedians um out there now? Would you say that the market's becoming oversaturated? Um, (laughs) possibly um but but, you know uh, there's lots of black comedians and lots of gay comedians uh, why shouldn't it be lots of disabled comedians it's probably more how the public perceives us because if they see us as only disabled comedian, then obviously there's a lot more uh, around nowadays. Um, I, I don't, I don't think I have a brand because I think I've changed what I've done over the years um, quite a lot. Um, so certainly, I think I said before, the kind of right-on politic kind of stuff that I started doing is um, quite far away from the last few shows that, that I've done, which are more but very experience-based, um, very much about storytelling, um, yeah, I think I just became more interested in the craft and the writing uh, rather than making a point. Um, so that I, d- I don't really think I, I, I have a brand per se. Um, the last year I did was about being a father. And that was, um, I set myself the challenge. My kids at the time were uh, four, five, you know, how old would Jamie? Six. Jamie would have been six and Tom would have been 13. And I wanted to show that, I thought if I'm going to talk about them for that hour, it's a bit mean if they can't come and watch the show. So, so I set myself um, the challenge of writing a show that kids could come and watch, um, but was still funny. Um, yeah, uh, uh, and again, that's different again to to, to what I'd done previously. Mm. Mm, yeah, that, and that was the last show you did at the Fringe, wasn't it? Um, it was. That was. That was two years ago now, um, almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I remember, Rob and I actually came to see it at the same show. Just yeah. Constantly bumping into each other. Like, get away. We're actually looking for it. We are looking come if we have a good TV here. Yeah, what's the, what's the deal here? <laughs> In terms of 
your cerebral palsy does that does that like how much does that shape the material that you make so i guess um two things there the material is based on personal experience and part of that experience involves me being someone with cerebral palsy so inevitably that'll have an impact on those experiences uh, uh, and hence what I write. Um, but also, I, I, I had a, an interview with a casting director the other week and she said she'd watched videos of me doing stand-up and said that I speak very differently um, but when I do stand up, and I think that's because there's a rhythm there, and it's obviously something that I've rehearsed, and I'm used to saying again and again. Um, so I think more and more I'm conscious that when I write for myself. I write in a way that I can that I can speak more easily um, and I write in my own rhythm mm. and and I guess whatever you write um, will always be through the lens of will have some sort of tinge of uh, your experiences with CP because because that's who you are yeah it can't really help being otherwise mm. I guess one thing that's quite interesting, um, what were your first impressions of Birds of Paradise? Oh, um... It's quite a long pause. <laughs> I, I was aware of Birds of Paradise for a lot longer than, than I actually started working with Birds of Paradise. Um... And but I hadn't actually seen any of the shows, um, partly because I live in England and the way arts funding works is on the whole things that are made in Scotland and to tour in Scotland and, and, and vice versa. So the first thing I saw was Wendy Hurst. Um, which was great. I can't remember if... I think we were already talking about purposeless movements by then, Rob, um, because I, I saw it at the fringe in the assembly rooms, which I think was at the end of, uh, uh, of the run, or the various runs that it did. I didn't see any bop stuff before before Rob and Gary took over initially, so I, I don't really know how good or, or, or bad it was. You mean there was a before me and Gary? <laughs> cool. Anything else that you want to add, Rob? Any plugs? Anything? 
And it's really hard to plug anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically, if Long's ever out in public ever again, and you can pick him, go and see him. Yeah, definitely. Why Why don't you plug this conversation, Lawrence? <laughs> um, I've literally not left the house for two months. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so... Yeah, not a lot of outside work to plug. But yes, if um if we ever get to do purposeless movements again or if cured ever sees the light today or if I ever do another stand up show, please come along, buy a ticket. <laughs> there you go. You hug it here, bro. So thank you very much, Michael and Clark. I got the word, Clark. Doctor? Go, oh, yeah. Can you know that? Well, I know he's a massive Doctor Who fan, but... Uh, I, I have a PhD in molecular biology and computing. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. But, but I left all that behind... A while ago, now. <laughs> and then you got away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So thank you very much, Mum, and we'll be keeping. Yeah, thanks, Lawrence. Great. So. And there we go. That was our chat with Lawrence. Hope you enjoyed that. Yes. So you'll be lucky that there's more podcasts coming your way. Next week we're talking to Gil Watson. Gil was in a 2018 production of My Life Right Foot. Yeah, Gil is a bit of a hoot, so tune in to that one to hear some pretty outrageous stuff coming out of her mouth. Um, anything you want to tell us about the podcast, about what you think, you can get us on all the usual Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're, we're over there. Welcome back Seeker at Bob Seeker. You can get us on there. Welcome to our webpage at www.bopseeker.co.uk. Go in there. We've got a podcast webpage and that'll tell you everything that you want to know. Exactly. Until the next time we share the sound waves. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Or you'll listen to us. That's how it works. That's a podcast. So, cheat it by now. Bye-bye. <laughs>